Welcome to Reynolds Wrap, the positive and practical podcast. We want to encourage you through spiritual insight from God's Word to maintain an authentic Christian life. It really is difficult to live in the world we're in today and maintain a positive spirit. I mean, it is absolutely near impossible to live every single day and be happy, content, and joyful. Now, I, I realize that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that joy is right there at the top of that list. And when we begin to read Scripture, specifically reading stories about Jesus, we see him telling his disciples He wants their joy cups to be full. He wants them to be overjoyed. He wants them to not be so downtrodden and discouraged and troubled. And he's instilling within his people, with his disciples and and eventually his church, a mindset of joyfulness, of happiness. And in our podcast today, I want to talk about where we are in our walk with God concerning our spirit, what, what's on the inside. You know, I think as uh, Christians, we're, we're often criticized as being hypocritical. We're criticized as being harsh and judgmental. There's a lot of adjectives we could use to, to show what people think about Christianity today. One of the things is people say, you know, we're not genuine, we're fake. And whether it's true or not, that's an observation people have made. Another another one is that um, we're just always unhappy. You know, the, the people who work in the service industry hate Sundays. They hate it. And you know this. I mean, they hate it because they cannot stand to work at a table, to bus a table, to serve a table of Christians on Sunday because they've just left church and they're unhappy and they're not going to tip well and they're cranky. And that's the image that certain people have of those that are supposed to be believers. What I believe is, as we study the New Testament, we begin to see if we're going to live an authentic Christian life, one that is unique and purposeful and meaningful to us individually, we have to find our niche, our place. And we've we've talked about that a lot. And I'm going to deal with this again in our podcast next time. But we we need to discover our identity, who we are. And once you discover who you are and what God has called you to be, it does fundamentally change you inside. Because you see yourself in a different lens, in a different light. That you are God's unique child. I wrote a blog uh, today, and you could find it on the Reynolds Wrap page about our story. We need to connect to a story. And there are parts of our story we don't like. There are parts of our story that we want to avoid. We want to hide. We want to bury it. We want to put it in the closet. There are other parts of our story we have no trouble getting out, sharing, talking, conversing about it. You know, it's like those special memories. You know, we'll get out the certain books and the, you know, scrapbooks and the yearbooks and all of our trophies. That's the stuff we want to talk about, the the, the highlight reel of life. But the truth is that our life is not always going to be 
positive. It's always going to be good. It's not always going to be happy. And those down times in our life, the valleys of life, help us to appreciate the mountains that are going to come after it. The positivity we need is not fake. It's not manufactured. It's genuine when someone is walking with the with the Lord. And if you're full of the Holy Spirit, you should be full of joy. There should be times in your life where you're sad and you're discouraged, but God's Spirit helps motivate you and lifts you up. I want us to focus on how we can allow our own thoughts to inspire and encourage others, how we can fundamentally change ourselves by letting letting the Lord do his work inside of us. And then all of that, that energy, all that joy, all of that compulsion within me, that passion within me will drive me to make an impact in the life of somebody else. Maybe we need to focus on how the trials of life the storms of life, the difficulties and the problems we face can actually be used in a positive way. I do want to really, really address this in future podcasts because I think this is a struggle that many of us face as Christians, at least those that I have encountered in life. We need to remember that as Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 11, really, teach is that life is full of seasons. Life is a series of ups and downs, goods and bads, things that are positive, things that are negative. It does not mean that life is bad. Just when, just because something happens to you, something devastating you go through in your life, it doesn't mean that God has turned his back on you. It doesn't mean that your whole world is falling apart. And we, we use different metaphors to describe the tragedies that we we have to overcome. But the truth is God is a God is one of understanding and of wisdom. God is not the author of confusion Paul says. God has a purpose behind every problem, every trial, everything that we encounter. That doesn't mean that God is going to throw stuff at you just to see what you do with it. Many of the things that happen to us in life are because of our own foolish choices. It's because of sin, or it may be because of the sin of someone else, and we just kind of get stuck in the middle of it. Regardless of why it happens or how it happens, we need to remember who is behind us when it happens. See, so God has a purpose behind every single problem. He's going to use every single circumstance that you go through to develop you, to develop your character, to develop your spirit, to develop your faith. And in those uh, experiences, those life experiences, it's going to make you stronger. Now, that's not easy to talk about in the middle of a trial. You're, you're, you don't want to hear that. You, know, you, you don't want to think about being positive when everybody else is being negative or everybody's telling you to be negative. And that's a very important thing to address. People will tell you how you should react to things in your life. They will tell you that you should be sad when you should, you know, when you're going through something, or they'll tell you that you're supposed to be happy when you're going through something. You need to stop allowing people to have the remote control to your life. You alone control your own destiny. You, you have a story, you have a unique place in the map, in the, the puzzle 
of life, you have your own unique spot. You don't need to let anyone else determine what moves you're going to make, what challenges you're going to take. That's your choice. As, as you go through your story, we have to let God take the pen because we've messed it up. I mean, we've got chapters in our story that we, we would really like to erase. I mean, there are honestly things that we've done that we want to tear the whole chapter out of the book. We might like to start over with a new book. Let's start with part two, you know, and, uh, you know, maybe like Star Wars, you know, you start off with chapter four, so it makes more sense uh, when you can see all the problems that happened in one through three. You know, I don't I don't know where you are in your walk with God. You may have had just a wonderful life up to this point and just had a few little blunders. Most of us have had pretty big blunders. We've had some big mistakes. We've had some big things that we've had to overcome. And because of that, we want to erase those chapters. We want to to white out, you know, or rip out certain things. But that's part of our story. You see, in the moments of your weakness, that's where God's grace shines the greatest. That's where his greatest work is seen when he takes the pen. And he makes the mess of Calvary and the bloodstained cross into the most beautiful image in the course of human history. Only God can do that. So when you go through your circumstance, your problem that you encounter, you you realize that it's really not about depending on um, how you're going to get out of it or how you got yourself into it, which people always do that. You know, how do you get yourself into this mess? I don't know. In fact, sometimes the mess finds me. Are you with me? I mean, sometimes I didn't do anything. You know, I'm walking along and the pigeon pooped on my head. Okay, this is life. There are certain people, tragedy just as it is at every turn, and there's nothing you can do. And it's not like God's up there throwing lightning bolts at you. It just happens. That's just life. That's, unfortunately, part of your story, that bad stuff happens. Some of us, bad stuff happens all the time. So our dependence is upon God, because He, we say to him, Lord, I need you to take the pen and finish the story, because I, I, I've messed it up. I, I don't know how to fix it. I got myself into this, or maybe somebody else got me into this, but I need you to help get me out. And the great thing about the Bible, this is awesome, is that every time you read it, you see people that are in the same messes that you're in today. There are You have parallels to David and to Daniel and to Paul and to the Pharisees and to Judas Iscariot. I mean, there's connections to every single character of Scripture, which is one of the reasons why the Bible is not just a rule book. It's a book of stories. And that's, that ought to give you some positive light. Every time you read the Bible, you see you and I, we're just like everybody else that's walked here. We, we're different in that we have a unique story, but the, the plot lines, the, the, the twists and the turns of the stories can be very similar to those that have been told before. You know, Solomon says there's nothing new on the earth. You can learn a lot from the past. You can learn a lot from your history. We wonder why a lot of things are happening in our nation today. Our kids don't know their history. They don't know why we are going through the things that we're going through. And you you have to keep in mind, too, that when you're encountering some trial or some, some discouragement, people are watching your spirit. If you are nasty and mean, and I've watched people before, I mean, just when they're going through something, they will cuss and they will go on Facebook. You've got those friends, don't you? I'm, I'm not the only one, right? It's, you got those friends 
that I mean, it doesn't matter. Somebody can ding their car in the parking lot and they will go on Facebook and they got to tell everybody about it. And they take a picture of the cart and they take a picture of the car that hit them and they take a picture of the guy driving away and his license plate and they call him everybody, you know, every name they can come up with, you know, or they go to a restaurant and they accidentally put pickles on the sandwich and they're going to go on Facebook and they're going to give a bad review and they're going to post pictures of the pickles on the Instagram. And, you know, it's just like they, they, they people are overwhelmed with, anger and frustration and they just take it out on everybody and so this positive spirit we're talking about today it, it doesn't really exist in a lot of people it's it's maybe their deep 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 inside that the holy spirit's gonna try to pull it out of you but there are a lot of people who are just genuinely unhappy with life and i don't think it's too much to ask as to why people are genuinely unhappy why people are focused on negative things, that they focus on the discouraging, sad, you know, upsetting things that have happened to them throughout their life. And it may be because that's kind of the way we're geared. I've heard people say, well, you know, that's just kind of the way I'm wired. I just, you know, I, we, we do like negative things. We, we watch the news for that reason, breaking news stuff. But I'm going to suggest that once we begin a new life in Christ and he starts to transform us through his Holy Spirit, into the image of Jesus Christ, into the, the very image of the Son of God, then it does begin, as, as the Spirit is within us, it does begin to kind of lead us down a different path, to do things differently, to think differently, to act differently. And I want to specifically focus on how our thought process affects other people around us. You can tell when a person is genuinely excited and happy to be there. You can tell. The smile on their face, the giddiness. Watch a kid on Christmas. You know, watch a kid open up their presents, and they just can't wait. They wake up on their birthday morning, you know, and you see the excitement, the glow in their eyes. They get the cake and the ice cream and the, the gifts. You could see people who have been through, say, cancer, and get the message from the doctor that you're cancer-free now. Or to a couple who's waited so long to have a child to finally find out that they're, they're going to have a baby and it's healthy. It, that's not manufactured. That's real, genuine joy in a person. And it becomes contagious. There's a reason why they put glass up outside of the hospital area where a baby has been born. Everybody wants to see the newborn and the dads want to show them off and the moms want to show them off and the nurses want to roll them down the you know, the corridor and show them off. I mean, it's grandparents are in there snapping photos. There needs to be a spirit of joy within God's people, not just individually, but collectively. And one of the reasons why our congregations are struggling and many churches are closing their doors or just there's just not much uh, vigor and passion within the congregation is because it's not within the individual's within that church. You watch, you just watch how sometimes a minister uh, can change the dynamic of a congregation. You have somebody who's very stoic, very, um, you know, uh, matter of fact, book, chapter, and verse, you know, type style preaching, which there's there's a time and a place for certain styles. I do believe that preachers should, should you know, move around their styles and try different kinds of preaching, whether it be narrative and topical and expository and so forth. But if you have somebody that's, you know, 
maybe an exceptional Bible class teacher, but they're not very enthusiastic in the pulpit. The congregation takes the shape of the minister. And when you bring in a minister who is excited and personable and happy and full of joy, it becomes contagious like a fire. You can turn around a dying church in a matter of a few weeks and months by just changing the person that's in the front of it. The Watch how it's, you say, well, our song leading is just really pitiful at our congregation. Get a new song leader. Hey, if you have to go hire one or go borrow one from another church, get a new song leader. See how that changes the dynamic of the singing and then how it changes the dynamic of the preaching. I've had congregations where I've worked before that singing was horrible. You know, the singing was really, really, really bad. And the elders had to say, okay, we need to, we need to find one or two key guys that know what they're doing and put them in the front. And some people were like, oh, well, what about all these guys with their talents and stuff? And some of them did have a little bit of talent. You know, they were one talent guys. But when you find people who really are passionate about singing and know how to do it, it changes the dynamic of the song service. Same thing with the preaching. And the preaching affects the behavior of the entire congregation. We need ministers who have passion. We need shepherds. We need youth ministers and deacons and teachers that have passion for what they're doing. And that doesn't mean that they all have to be jumping up and down and acting all excited. I'm talking about people that really love what they do. There are people I've been to. In fact, I was at Walmart just uh, last week and ran into a lady at our local Walmart, and she was just smiling. She was in customer service, working all by herself, and just smiling and just as happy. And she's like, you know, we got up to the counter, and she says, you know, I, I got put here because, you know, nobody else wanted to work up here today. And, and there was a huge line. She's like, thank you for your patience. And I said, do you know why they have you here? And she's like, why? And I said, because of your smile, your contagious spirit. You're back here by yourself doing all these jobs that all these other people should be doing, and they're out walking the floor. They're out, you know, taking a break, whatever. But they knew they could trust you to do this job because you've got the spirit for it. And she was just as happy as could be when I said that to her. And there are people, we need to allow our positivity, our positive thinking to affect other people. But it starts with us thinking more positive. There will be people who hurt you. I have people that hurt me all the time. And, and we could think, oh, they're just mean, and they just don't like me, and they just hate my guts or whatever. But you also have to understand that those people may be going through certain things. Maybe they've got a child that's unfaithful. Maybe they've got a spouse that's going through a, a difficult health issue. Maybe it's because they're inadequately equipped to do the job that they've been called to do. You know, if you've got a coworker that's just pitiful or a boss who's horrible, it's because they probably are not equipped to do that job. And so if they're taking it out on you, recognize that. That it's, it's their own inadequacies that is the problem. It's not you and your personality. It's just they're just, they're just having a bad day. But we do take things too personal. And so we've got to change our thinking to be more positive, to look at the good in people. Look, there are, I believe all people are created good. Ecclesiastes says that all people are created good. They found ways to be evil. We need to stop looking at people like they're our enemy. The devil is our enemy. We're not fighting against the person on the pew next to us. We're not fighting the person down the street. In fact, we're not even fighting the church down the street. We are against the devil. That's where our warfare begins. So we need to allow our thoughts to become more positive. And once our thoughts become more positive, it influences our actions. And those actions impact everyone else around us. There is a power in positive thinking. And it's just not there. In fact, sometimes whenever we're impacted by negative things, uh, around us, 
whenever we face uh, maybe a, a difficult situation, we overreact. We overreact very quickly because we say, well, you know, there's got to be a reason. It's almost like a knee-jerk reaction. You know, if you burn yourself, you may throw your the whole pot of water on yourself, you know, just as an overreaction. And I do think we do that. And that, that's a totally different uh, argument, maybe, for, for why we have negative thinking. Sometimes it's because we're so jaded from our past. You know, we, we've been hurt so badly in the past. That's why people oftentimes don't move on in their relationships, is they've been hurt by someone. And they say, you know, I'm never going to marry again, or I'm never going to date again. Um, and or, or I'm not going to, I'm just going to completely give up this calling in, 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 in life and in ministry with a job. We say, I'm not going to do that line of work anymore, because we become jaded. The great thing about walking with Christ, the great thing about bearing the fruit of the Spirit, is that it it does impact us when we see how people react to us. It makes me have, like for instance, when we're teaching people, teaching someone, I I know that in the time I've put in preparation and in prayer, focusing on this one individual's heart, I am I am in that moment. There is nothing more important to me than trying to convince them that Jesus Christ died for them. And when you when you begin to communicate with people and you begin to be a fisher of men, to be an evangelist, to use your unique talents to try to persuade someone, when you use your story, people can see it in your eyes. I, I don't know about you, but I have when I hear people tell stories, I'm, I'm a, I love telling stories. I love to hear storytellers. It doesn't take long around someone for me to be able to tell whether or not they're really passionate about what they're talking about or whether or not it's true. Sometimes you can tell if somebody's telling a story and it's not true. Watch a child. You know, watch a child. You can tell by their eyes. You can tell by their body language whether or not something is true or whether or not something is is um, is is not true. And so you can tell by talking to someone whether or not they're excited or passionate about what they're talking about. And that's one of the reasons why when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to reaching people out in the community, they're not being drawn in because they know we're not excited about it. We're not, we're not passionate about lost people. We're passionate about numbers. You know, we want to increase numbers at the church. We're passionate about finances because we gripe every time we don't meet the budget. We're passionate about filling those pews because we pay for the building. We're passionate about making sure that, you know, there's enough bulletins to go around and enough parking spaces in the parking lot. We're passionate about whether or not there's enough youth activities for our children or whether or not there's enough stuff going on for the golden agers. But do the people in our community really think that we're passionate about lost people? Do they think we're passionate about them? You see, when you're talking to somebody about their faith, when you're talking to someone about their um, conversion, their life in Christ, their, their major decision, the most important decision they'll ever make, can they see in your eyes that you believe in the message and that you our confession that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has done more than just the day we are baptized. It's every day we walk. We daily confess Jesus is our Savior by not just what we say, but also what we do. And talking to people, convincing people to become a child of God is going to take some positivity. It's going to take some passion. It's going to take some love and some compassion in your voice and in your actions to be able to reach them. This is the reason why people are so drawn to Jesus. Again, we've said this in all these podcasts so far. People appreciated Jesus for his personality, for his characteristics. They knew he was someone who really genuinely loved people. Our positive thoughts, our positive actions, they have an effect on everyone else around us. Why did the apostles become such great evangelists? Because Jesus told them they had to? 
because Jesus commanded them to, because they had scriptures, because the Bible was given to them and they were told, you know, you need to go do this. Bible does give us commands to go and preach and teach, but that's not why the apostles went and preached. That's not why they went and reached lost souls. They did it because they had a hunger for it. And that hunger was placed there by Jesus. Jesus had a hunger for lost people. He passed that compassion on to his disciples. His, his apostles and, and disciples had to pin it. That's why we have the word of God in the New Testament. And that passion then was passed down to the New Testament church. And God forbid if we ever get to a point within our fellowship as Christians that we don't have that passion anymore. That we're about keeping house and paying the preacher and making sure the missions are met and making sure the budget's met and making sure we got enough activities for the kids and enough cups and in the communion. Our heart ought to be for lost people. In the work that I do with Getting Know Your Bible, there's so many people that reach out through email and text message and IM and WhatsApp and every which way possible. There are people all over this planet that are hungry for the word of God and they're hungry for Jesus. They want to know about salvation. And you and I, if we're a child of God, we ought to have that hunger ourselves not just at the time we're converted, but every day after. I want to be hungry. I want to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And I wish so much that when I reach those points where I'm discouraged or I'm sad, that there is somebody to kick me in the rear end and say, hey, get up. It's not that bad. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get better. You can be positive. Jesus had cheerleaders at the cross. Do you realize that? The women there that were crying, his mother, John, I know they were weeping. I know they were sad. But by looking into their faces, he continued to have the strength to move forward. And even those that were lost motivated him. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He saw the lost people at the foot of the cross, and he said, it's worth it. I got to do it. He completed his task. He said, it's finished. And he didn't stop until it was. And the same thing is true of us. We have got to be more positive. We got to start looking at things that are good, things that are noble, that are righteous and true, as Paul says in Philippians 4.8. We got to start having more joy in our hearts. We got to start having a smile on our face. We got to start having more compassion and love for one another. That's what the world, that's what they're looking for. Genuine love. They're not looking for hypocrisy. They're not looking for traditions. They're not looking for all these statutes and laws and rules. They want to see people that genuinely love others. And that's exactly what the church ought to be about. That ought to be our true identity. That is who we're supposed to be. And that's who we need to be. Let's be more positive. Let's be more like Jesus. Let's have our joy cups full and go out and let's change the world. That's how it worked in the first century. And you know what? That's how it's going to work in this century. We thank you so much for tuning into today's broadcast. Hope that you'll follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Keep coming back for original content on these podcasts and share them with your friends and loved ones. We also want to encourage you, if you have any questions or want to direct something towards me, uh, any possible topics coming up in the near future you'd like for me to cover, you can write us at rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day, and we want to encourage you to maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus.